This is a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I just want to do a little freak out misdirection for you. All of you film and pop culture fans, thanks for joining us today. I am one of your hosts for Quality Check Podcast. Yours truly, Daniel Posey, and joining me across the internet, as always, Drew Douglas beaming up. Yeah, you should just, we should just end it there. <laughs> we should. I am too afraid to look up. Yeah, not just me. We we both have seen Nope, and I can't wait to hear what you thought. You went to see Nope with your wife, Lexi. Life after Nope. That's the, t- that's the time frame that we are in because <laughs> you were so excited for this that we had to literally determine there's life before Nope. Now there's life after Nope. It it really is my most anticipated movie of the year. And there's there's a lot I've tried so hard not to message you after watching this movie, or really anything this weekend. We have consumed so much, I feel, yeah. this past weekend. And on the docket for us, we we literally have seven brand new things we're going to talk to you about. Most of those are trailers because we didn't just get new movies new streaming movies, Uh, we got Comic-Con. And within that, we've got five trailers. Let's go ahead and dive into this. We'll start off with the DC stuff. We've got Black Adam. I I should also preface that we're going to do Loves Hates for all of this. Man, it's The Rock. He's back. He's talked about about this for, I think, the last 12 years. (laughs) And now we're getting... What? This is a final trailer? I wouldn't think so. It's weirdly shorter than the first trailer that came out like a month ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just, it's The Rock. He was at Comic-Con, which, by the way, it is cool to have Comic-Con back and we're, we're both DC and Marvel taking part. I think there is a clear winner in um, who, did the, who did it best <laughs> oh, and yeah. who did it worst. Now, both of these companies, like DC has its own thing, fandom which is uh, later in the year. And then Marvel obviously has, uh, was it D23, where they really, it's like their own thing where they promote everything Disney. So they didn't have to do much for Comic-Con. And Marvel went above and beyond. Like it was classic vintage Marvel. And then DC just lays, in my opinion, two eggs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure they did more than Black Adam and Shazam, uh, trailer-wise. But there was like no Flash, obviously, no Aquaman. No hints that we got maybe Superman coming back. There's all these rumors that Henry Cavill was going to make a huge appearance, and that didn't happen. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing that he's done at this point. But Black Adam was one of the big trailers they dropped. Uh, Dwayne Johnson shows up, and he's spouting the same <laughs> rhetoric he's been spouting for three years about the hierarchy changing in D.C. And my only thing is, I, I don't care. <laughs> they need to restart the whole thing and do it right. Which I kind of wonder if they're doing that to a degree with Black Adam. But why? And then we're still doing Shazam, and we'll get into that trailer, and I have a lot of questions about that. But Black Adam, this new trailer, loves, hates. Now, I was not a fan of the first one. Did you like the first trailer that came out that was our very first look at this movie? It was okay. On the on the border, I mean, it scooted by with the loves just because we finally got to see a little bit more. But I wasn't like totally into it. But I, it passed. It passed. See, I don't. I didn't think the first trailer was good. I don't think it didn't do anything to get me excited. 
And this new Comic-Con trailer didn't help matters. If we, I would imagine we're, we're probably going to talk about this movie on the show. But if we weren't, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I would see this in theaters. Oh, hello. I do have a big question. Like, who's the villain in this movie? It, it can't possibly be Black Adam, right? He's going he's gonna to have to fight somebody. He's definitely fighting someone because it's where we're getting the... It, it's not Doctor Doom, Doctor something. We have Doctor Fate. That's it, yeah, played by Pierce Brosnan. And then he tees it up once again, talking about how he can end up being the savior or what is it, the curse, the downfall of, of humanity, something like that. And I mean, it's exactly what we've, we've seen and heard before, but I think that Black Adam is the anti-hero, but he will end up being the hero the of hero. not only yeah. this, but moving forward, I think he could end up being like the new Superman, so to speak. Oh my goodness. That sounds awful. <laughs> Just bring Superman back or start over. They keep yeah. hyping this up about this is this this uh, Black Adam is he's the most raging and violent action hero. And I'm like, <laughs> is he really going to? Because I have a hard time believing they're actually going to have this guy kill a bunch of people. Maybe he has, but in this movie and moving forward, I don't think he's going to just be killing people because they don't want that. And it's not right. the kind of movie they're going to make. I yeah. think this, it just looks generic to me. Um, nothing about it gets me excited. I, it's a big, fat hates from me. Oh! I'm telling you, I don't even want to see this movie. Yeah, this is something where I, I like, I mean, this isn't anything that I think it's doing too much to turn the needle. We are seeing a little bit more, and I will say once again, this one's scooting by. It's not that I'm super in love with it. I don't hate it, but at the same time, I do think there is a little bit of an identity crisis going on at DC. I especially think there's, like you said, a lot of questions in terms of Shazam, what we end up seeing. But I mean, we'll see with Black Adam. I'm I'm one of those that I'm like, it's a wait and see game for me. So I'm going to give this a pass again and say that I love, but once again, it's scooting by. Yeah. So we talked about Thor being, you know, the final blockbuster um, basically of the summer. And then we have Nope. And then there's this huge gap between basically nothing, which there is stuff in August that we kind of learned about. And then Halloween ends. I totally forgot this is coming out the same month as Halloween. Like that is how far removed it is from my brain. (laughs) Now, Shazam, Fury of the Gods. We finally have a sequel. The first one came out in 2019. All the kids in this movie look like they're about 27 years old. <laughs> I don't think this movie looks bad. Again, my, my issue with this is it's in a universe that is a flux and has no idea what's going on. We have, I guess, kind of a comical opening where Shazam's talking to a therapist, but not really that kind of a therapist. And he brings up The Flash, who is Ezra Miller, who's been wreaking havoc all over yet they still show him in this trailer which i found a little bizarre they show aquaman who is still has a movie and is still you know prominent in the dceu that makes sense and then we show ben affleck as batman and we know that batman is done when he's in the flash like that's the last time batfleck is going to be a part of this and the idea is apparently that they're going to restart the universe and we're going to have Michael Keaton as the main Batman. So I'm confused by even showing that. Like, none of it makes any sense. Yeah, that's 
I, I found that to be very odd as well in terms of seeing all of these who used to be the big players and now we're seeing them again uh, and the very, I mean, it's the intro of this trailer. I found that to be a very uh, odd choice. Not that I was not expecting that at all. I will say that since I, I dug the first Shazam so much like that, I would say is one of my, it might be my second favorite DCEU film in terms of like, I wasn't expecting much whenever the first film came out and I, it just really won me over. I just fell in love with that film. So I thought it was, there was a lot to like and love about it. Um, and I think that's what I'm kind of writing into this film where I enjoy the first one so much. I'm hoping that it kind of rekindles a lot of those feelings that I felt uh, before. So um, that's why I'm looking forward to this overall. I do think I'm looking forward to this more than Black Adam. And I, I that's that's why I'm going with the loves for this. Uh, not a high loves, but definitely higher than Black Adam. <laughs> yeah, it looks a lot better. I hope the villain is better because I think the first... Shazam is is pretty solid, but the villain just sucks so much. So <laughs> give us better villains because there's multiple in this one. Um, I have to give it a hates because I just don't care. <laughs> and I actually feel a little bad about it because of the two DC thing, the big ones that they promoted, that uh, easily looks, way I think, way better than Black Adam. Now, Marvel knocked it out of the park. Teasing things all the way to like 2026. <laughs> like rap, we know Wakanda Forever. Wrapping later this year is wrapping up phase four, which we thought there was more to it, and there's not. So that's exciting that we're ending that. And then we got the full slate for well, mostly the full slate, I would say, for phase five and six. No mention of Spider-Man, which is a little strange. So I'm expecting more Spider-Man adventures at some point. Um, but the big trailer that we got that really, that, you know, came out online because they did show Ant-Man and Guardians trailers that, uh, unless you were there, you didn't get, we don't get to see them, but we got Black Panther Wakanda forever, which has been, seems to have been cursed. This movie, the production of it, so many bad things have happened, uh, that makes you curious and also a little concerned about, man, how's this going to turn out? Obviously with Bozeman passing away. Mm-hmm. Um, this trailer, that's it's one hell of a trailer. This is one of the best pieces of marketing I've seen the MCU ever do. The point of trailers is to tease you, to give you just enough to want you to come back for more and to be craving it. And that's exactly what this trailer did. And I think a lot of times trailers just give way too much. It's at Netflix. Yeah, a three-minute trailer that is beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, and it's basically like... Uh, like a trailer is to market it. It's not to tell us the full story or really any story. It's to give those clues and allow us to start connecting some of the dots in our own mind to try to come up with certain theories. And that's what this trailer did. And also the other great thing is, and I love since talking about on the reverse end, something that with Jordan Peele movies that happen, it's like this remix of music that I love in this Mm-hmm. trailer does exactly that as well we've got two songs and that's one thing that right after this dropped i kept reading everyone talking online about how much they love 
the remix version of these two songs and it blends that together and when it is able to transition so smooth from one to the other but i think this movie uh i i, I had faith in ryan coogler and I, I was i was you know really excited to see something but this was a lot a lot of good stuff and like you said this is i think the best marvel trailer that we've received in a very, very long time. And I am ecstatic to see more from this. And I am salivating to, to see more. And I, especially with Namor, uh, there's so much that mm. I want to know more about that. I want to see more with uh, the, the uh, some Mariner storyline, but also, you know, that ending shot of seeing the claws swing out and it's like, all right, who's going to be Black Panther? Who is it? Yeah. I wonder if they'll do multiple Black Panthers. Yeah. I, I'm really curious what they'll do. We do get an idea of what happened that, you know, in this trailer, um, King T'Challa has passed away because his mother is speaking and makes some comment like she's in, in this um, making a speech basically and saying that, my entire family is gone. What else do you want from me? And that speech and the way she delivered it was just, that gave me chills. And it was something too, I think is just going to keep ramping up more of that as we get closer. And I think we're going to have a lot of feels. We're going to uh, be on this roller coaster ride and I'm here for it. And that's why this, of all of the trailers we're talking about, this is the highest loves of any of them. Yeah. And this movie is going to be huge. Yeah. People are going to be so curious about what they do. And th it just looks amazing. I guess my only concern, you mentioned Namor, which is great. They're introducing that character. We also are introducing Riri Williams, which is Ironheart. And I I guess my only concern is there's going to be, we're you're introducing two big pieces to the MCU in one film. And then you're also dealing with who's going to take over the mantle. I don't want it to be too much, you know, but it will be nice to get an MCU movie. It'll be the first one this year that is in crammed full of dick and fart jokes. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I want a good, serious movie. Do we <laughs> and let's pray to God that Coogler didn't turn this into a freaking comedy. Right. Yeah. I, and that's that's the thing that I kept hearing at Comic-Con that all of the Marvel stuff is just. I kept hearing the word silly. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm just, I understand there is a point to that, but we will get into some of that when we talk about Nope later on, because it's like, you can have both. You can be serious and comical. And I think Taika did that really well in Thor Ragnarok. But at the same time, it's like some of the stuff is just so overblown with campiness that it's like, all right, uh, it's starting to wane, at least for me. My my feelings are starting to wane. But this actually, it, and I'm going to guess, will be the first of this. Actually, technically, phase four is done, right? Now we're going into phase five, according to Kevin Feige. Well, Wakanda wraps it up. Okay, so that... So Ant-Man is technically the start of phase five. Okay, and then that... And I've heard Ant-Man is, once again, really silly and like outrageous i didn't hear that i heard the complete opposite oh really i heard both that and the guardians trailers obviously will have humor or had humor but they both appeared to be dark and serious oh well see that makes me feel a lot better because i'm like it seems like 
Wakanda Forever is going to take the more serious approach. I'm sure that there's going to be some humor, but at the same time, that's I just love getting back to that where it's like, all right, let's kind of take ourselves. We can't be totally serious, but let's, you know, not necessarily, like you said, be playing in this playground of just toilet humor and just naivety. And well, I, I did forget that Doctor Strange was before Thor, so it's not been two movies in a row. Are those the only two movie this, movies this year? I literally can't remember. I just can't remember. We, uh, yo, yeah, I guess so. Um, okay, so we got one that was pretty serious, and then one that was a total gag. Because fest. the Eternals came right before, and that was in November of yeah, last that year. That was November, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I apologize to uh, Kevin Feige. You only had one really joke fest this, this year, not two. Yeah, <laughs> this looks great. So I'm super hyped for it. Um, man, I've I've watched it a few times, and I want to go back and watch it again. Yeah. It's worth that. And, and and I love the fact that I don't feel like much of any of the story is spoiled, but rather it's cluing me in and, as to where we're going. And I love that. I think this would be the last one I need to watch. I need to hold mm-hmm. firm on that. Because I have maybe a few regrets because I couldn't control myself with a note, which we'll get into. <laughs> now, before, before we get into note, there was two big previews that played before it. One was released online, and then one is only in theaters. The first one is Halloween Ends. It's like a very short teaser for the final um, film in the David Gordon Green trilogy. So one thing I did notice watching this preview, it says their saga ends. It's not the saga ends. It's their saga, which makes me believe that this is setting up something else. <laughs> Yeah. But I want to know, this teaser for Halloween Ends doesn't show a lot, but it does show a showdown between Lori and Michael Myers. Did you love or hates? I'll say for this, it was short enough. It didn't reveal a ton like the first Halloween Kills trailer did. And it Right? I know. That was what I was fearing. It was awful. I, I, I honestly was expecting this to give way too much away, but um, I'll say that I loves, but I didn't like high loves. This is like kind of yeah, medium to low. Um, I enjoyed the fight. Obviously, that was the best part. Seeing Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode and Mike Myers just going at it. And especially that hand near the garbage disposal. That is cool. But there's also that concern as well that I have in terms of what does this mean for Halloween there's no way this is going to be over. It makes too much money for it to truly die. And I, I do love this, but once again, I'm moving forward with a little bit of reserved optimism. I also don't, I don't know if I got excited seeing Lori and Michael fight because that's happened like 10 times. Right. This isn't like something that's been building for four movies and we, they've like navigated each other but never gone mano a mano. They have. Mm-hmm. So seeing that again, I can't say got me more excited than I was. I, I'm interested to see how they wrap it up, and I love the franchise as a whole, and just Halloween in general. So I'm obviously yeah. there. We also got the new teaser for Christopher Nolan's film that comes out next year. We're, already, we're teasing this one year ahead as if, it's some sort of massive MCU movie. <laughs> Universal, Christopher Nolan teaming up after Nolan got butt hurt. That WB 
was uh, skipping theatrical releases and going straight to HBO Max in the year 2021. He, he threw a fit. He said, I'm not going to work with you again. Universal scoops him up. He works on this film. It's called Oppenheimer, which is about the birth of the atomic bomb, correct? Mm-hmm. Now, I swear to you, they're marketing this film as if it's like literally the next big MCU movie, and I couldn't help but think, <laughs> no one on Earth is getting that excited for this movie. It's new Nolan, sure, but I don't think his movies, unless they're action or thrillers or comic booky, I don't think they're attracting as much buzz as you would think. Yeah, it just this seems just like an overblown marketing stunt that I, I couldn't help but just find the whole thing comical and the teaser blows. Oh, who cares? It doesn't show anything. It doesn't get me that excited. I love Nolan. I like his movies, but I don't understand why we're teasing this one year ahead other than you're just trying to please Nolan. That, that's right. all this is. is You're trying to make him happy. I could see that Universal is definitely doing that. Uh, I, I don't know what it would be, but catering to him. And yeah, the teaser, I, it just doesn't give enough away. And it is interesting why they're releasing this at this rate. Are they planning on releasing like say a small teaser like this a month leading up to a big trailer, like the official trailer. And then they release more at a time. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. I do think the thing for me that gets me pumped for this movie. Well, first and foremost is Killian Murphy and getting to see him in the lead. We don't really get a lot though. We don't know what he sounds like. They what? don't show anything. They show one shot. He's putting a hat yeah. on. Congratulations. Yeah, that's, that's your big it. tease. And a countdown and, that... and fiery explosions. <laughs> I would be willing to bet a lot of people watching this, maybe I'm assuming a lot of people are stupid. A lot of people have no idea what this is. They don't know yeah. what the story is. And that this teaser, who cares? Why are we teasing this one year ahead? Like you said, I could see that being the case where they end up... Uh, a lot of people watching it's like, wait, what is this? Is this like the new Dark Knight Rises part two? And they try to trick you, by the way, because the the trailers ended and then it did the regal, like, hey, we're starting the movie. The lights right. go completely out and then it starts this teaser. And it's just like, I don't know who you're trying to fool. <laughs> what is this? What is this? <laughs> I was so confounded by the stupidity of it that I, I just can't get over it. But you're right. The cast is amazing. <laughs> Nolan rules. I'm sure it's going to be good, but this is not going to be some blockbuster, I don't think. I mean, I don't know. That's the thing. Like at the at the point of them releasing this, literally a year from now, it depends on what else we end up getting. But what if this ends up bombing? Oh, I kind of hope it does. After the fit he threw, I'm like, you need to settle yourself down a little bit. And you know what? <laughs> Universal dumps its movies on Peacock like 21 yeah. days after the fact. What are you talking about? Yeah. Is this in black and white? I bet. I bet it the will movie's be. The movie black and white cuz I heard I heard it's I heard it's black and white until the bomb drops and it moves the color. And I, what do you think about that? You think See, it, I was thinking it'd be in reverse where it's not it's in color and then the bomb drops, but I don't know. Like I the other thing is to what degree well, I I just I'm really curious the story that he's going to tell with this. But better yet, I kind of hope he takes the approach that he did with Dunk Dunkirk with this in terms of writing the story where he didn't really 
have much of a script and it was more of like an outline and he's oh, like you can't do that though telling the actors he's like all right so just improv he's like make it up <laughs> he's like <laughs> i want you to feel really bad uh and then the cast is like it would take me 10 minutes to read this cast list because it's so good yeah which is the, it's amazing it's it, it looks great and it, it the the people he's assembled for cinematography and the music it's going to be amazing. I'm sure it's going to be great, but I do think he needs to dial it back a little bit. You are not the it, savior of cinema, my friend. It, well, like, get it, over yourself. We all know that the savior of cinema ended up being uh, Morbius, right? Is yeah, it's said? Morbin time. Now, did you know yeah. Jack Quaid is in this? I, I totally forgot. Oh, no way. I did not know that. Yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, that's so great. Does he get you more excited than Killing Murphy? Jack Quaid's probably in this for 10 minutes, but... Yeah, I, and that's it. See, knowing that Killian Murphy... Here's the thing. I know... I don't want to say too much about Peaky Blinders, but now that that's over, I am excited to see Killian in a movie. Like, a. this is going to be like a blockbuster, a huge movie, but at the same time, I'm glad that he's getting to star like as the lead. A lead, yeah. Yeah. In a big movie. This is a $100 million budget that we know, which is also it's like, balloon. I'm like, what? How is this $100 million? It's like supposed to be a drama about the toll this creation of the bomb takes on a man. Right. <laughs> so who knows? I don't know. Uh, I just, I was just completely confused by this as if it was seriously. I would expect this for the, an Avengers film. That's what you tease. You tease that a year ahead. And people go nuts or like Batman or something like that. But let's do it for this. Right. Yeah. Maybe I'm just yeah. being a fuddy duddy. I, the thing is, like, once again, this didn't really turn the dials all that much for me. It was it was OK. But once again, it's not groundbreaking. It's not earth shattering. Because it's like the first look at Killian putting on that. It's like I don't need I feel like I'm doing a disservice to even say loves or hates, but you got to. I mean, it's it's one of those that since we just like you said, get so much just fire. Um, I'm just imagining those are outtakes taken from Jackass 4, where Steve O is trying to blow that, like they're trying to what uh cause an explosion with a fart underwater. <laughs> I'm just imagining it's a minute and a half, nine I, I would say about I don't know. 67 seconds of it is either text or just flames. Yeah, and that's that's why it's like okay, for me I I hate that too. It's just like there's not much. We do get Kelly and Murphy, but it, I mean the movie's going to be great, but it, this this whole thing is, is just like a huge wet fart. Yeah. I wish they could have shown so much more at least given like an idea of how much of this story we're going to tell, like how much before the bomb, how much after the bomb. Maybe it's just going to take place in like Dunkirk time, and it's it's all over the within place. twelve hours. I guarantee you, the, it's it's yeah. it's not told linear. Right? Yeah. I yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's insane that Marvel starts teasing its movies two months out while we're doing this. So far, I kind of hope we we get like a Twelve Angry Men setting, and then it's like the last. 30 seconds is like we see an explosion and it's Nolan reusing the same couple of shots of just him recreating an explosion. 
<laughs> I hope it explodes and then like bursts into a bat flame or something. <laughs> it's like the on the bridge where the where we see the bat signal. So I I guess it's time Woo. for you to it's time. open your heart a little bit. I mean, I don't even have a hint. We haven't given each other hints on if we like this movie. This was definitely hype for both of us, but I'm afraid. I, I Watching it, I was almost scared because I, I knew. One, <laughs> one, you had already seen it, and you had your, ho- your hopes were so high. And I was like, man, if this movie is not good or he didn't like it, it's going to like traumatize him. It was, would crush me. It's going to crush you. And I'm assuming that you liked it. I guess my question is, how much did you like it? So let's get into it, and we're going to just say right off the bat, spoiler warnings for this movie, and then we're, we're going to talk about The Gray Man after. Just spoilers from here on out. I don't even want to have to say this again. <laughs> oh, man, this is... Uh, I mean, so I'll say this, because uh, it's kind of the tale of two feelings. Oh, boy. Um, because when I first... Like I would say the first, I'll just go ahead and say that I loved this movie. Plain and simple. I'll get Figured. to the, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get that out of the way, but it's because I've had several days to digest this and dig into a lot of the symbolism, a lot of the underlying messages, the subplots, the stories of that, like how Peel stacked it. Um, I am still trying to figure out where this falls because I do think this is one of the most refreshing, refreshingly original, although it's it still it leans very heavily into that Twilight Zone type of storytelling that Peel's kind of that we've grown to know for him to tell and yeah. say. More so than his first two. This is definitely 100%. the most Rod Serling he's ever been. Yes. And that's where this honestly, because I kept going back to what leading up to this, I kept thinking of downtime, what he created, what he wrote that season two, episode one, episode four, the Twilight Zone, the rebooted series that he brought to parent. Well, it is now Paramount Plus, but um, it, I kept going back to that and thinking, what if that's kind of what we get here? And to a degree, it touches on that, but not entirely. When I first walked out of the movie, I'm like, that was the most straightforward Jordan Peele movie I think we'll ever get. Mm. Because we have something that is very much so, it's a UFO film, and it's based on them being an animal. And it is his take on the animalistic qualities of when we don't treat animals right, they will end up lashing out. But the UFOs, they're very, it's basically, as someone said this weekend, jaws in the sky. Um, And so the more I thought about it after it, I'm like, that's interesting because the first two thirds, I'll tell you, I loved the first two thirds. Like I was into it and I love the slow build. And I've heard a lot of people say they were not into that. But I love this idea we begin with this chimp story and then it just go it's like what the hell happened like where where are we what are we doing with this yeah what does this have to do with anything and you know it will connect but you are caught yeah. off guard by starting it with a chimp on a rampage and, and i love that i i just love that way of telling it and this slow build slow build slow build 
I will say toward the end, it started to unravel mainly with like the design of the UFO. Um, and then as we go into it, I'm like, okay, it, it kind of lost some of the traction. But the more I've thought about it, I I freaking love this movie. I don't know if I love this as much as us. And I know I don't love it as much as Get Out. So I'll, I'll end there because I really want to know what you have to say. And I can keep going on and on and on about certain theories and thoughts I've got. But I got to know, what do you think about this? I mean, I loved it too. I will say Walking Out, having only seen it one time, it's my least favorite Jordan Peele film. Yeah. But I do love that he's doing his best, as I said, his best Rod Serling, and that we went into this movie knowing that it's not going to be a straightforward alien invasion film because Peele mm -hmm. always has layers. This, I think, like any good Twilight Zone, you could read this movie six different ways. Sure. What you said about taming the beast, controlling something that you shouldn't or can't control got that as well obviously with the gordy stuff um you could take this as a summer blockbuster i suppose uh a warning about capitalism mm -hmm. it could be a critique of how everyone wants to film everything even the most horrific stuff imaginable think about the tmz guy that shows up late in this movie he flips on his bike he's dying he's crawling on the ground and he's literally only concerned about getting his camera back to film what's going on. That's a huge thing that we see every single day. For me, my main takeaway when I left was we opened the, the movie up uh, outside of Gordy, but when we're introduced to OJ, Daniel Kalu, and Emerald, which is Kiki Palmer, and we get the, you know, the two-second horse clip. Um, you know, documenting black history or knowing that a lot of it has been intentionally hidden or erased throughout time, that's my main takeaway the big one, obviously, is the two characters' history with Hollywood. Their great-great-grandfather is the one who assembled the photographs to make that two-second motion picture. And those pictures are of a black jockey on a horse whose name, to this day, remains a mystery. It's just been hidden. We don't know. He's basically the first movie star, as Jordan Peele said. Their main goal, I mean, the, the main plot of this is simple. It's let's capture video of this UFO. It's our chance to, you know, hit the spotlight. And they turn to this filmmaker named Antlers Holst, <laughs> who eventually helps the two film the alien. And again, late in this movie, he like they get the money shot. They get they go through all these hoops to get the alien to do what they need to do to get it on film, to get that money shot. And the filmmaker starts climbing up the mountain. Now, watching it, I was unsure if he was taking the video to release it himself and get all the glory, which goes back to the whole horse angle is he's he's taking what should be their history and he's making it own for himself and he's a white man in this situation. Or I was confused is he intentionally like trying to get killed by the alien because he doesn't want it in the world? I think it's kind of all the above because I saw that as he said we don't deserve the perfect shot. And as he's going up, he was willing to die on that hill literally. Yeah, he locks eyes with it. And and he's he puts everyone in jeopardy if he had not done such a brain dead decision then he i honestly think that they would like the tmz guy would have shown up but i think the aliens would have taken off by that point and i saw it as where he was like that's not good enough 
I've got to do more. And he was that person who, because he said on the phone, something along the lines of when uh, Emerald or Kiki, when she calls him and he's like, well, you're always searching. You're always trying to get that. And like he said, you're always trying to get that, that Oprah shot. It's impossible. Yeah. And then with him, when he said he got it and then he had the camera, he left the camera that had recorded the main UFO off to the side. And we end up seeing um, Mm -hmm. Angel, who's starting to use it and record more of it. But he's got this handheld, and he's like, okay, now that's a perfect shot. That's the Oprah shot. I'm going to up the ante. I'm going to get inside of the alien. I think he was willing to sacrifice himself to then get that, what he would end up saying, let me use this, what should have been the perfect shot, and he's going to try to, to add on to that. Uh, but at the same time, his selfishness put everyone at risk. And I saw that as going back to what you said, where he is basically using that as his moment. He's using that and a means to say kind of the whole capitalism. Again, once again, he's trying to capitalize on it. He wants it to be his. He's trying to stake claim to that. So I think it's all of the above. I think in the moment he was thinking more along the lines of the idea of, this is going to be the money shot and I'm going to be the one to get it. I'm finally going to be able to get that. Even in my death, that's going to be how I go out. But at the same time, subconsciously, I think there are those layers to peel away from this one character and his decisions. I think that's one element where at first I'm like, I don't know if it really works, but it caused me to think more about it after the fact. And that's the thing that I love about this movie. I said earlier that it's straightforward, but in every single decision, as you said, you can read it six different ways. And I think that's part of the brilliance of this movie that this man is his decision. I think could, it could be uh, read four or five different ways. This is his most Twilight Zone. This is Peel's most Twilight Zone because the other ones have something to say, but I feel like it's more straightforward. This one is a little more vague. And you have to kind of dig, if you want to, you dig deeper into it and you can come up with a, mil, you know, a million things that this could mean. I, I think we, at the base, we have this UFO. And it's interesting because I'm hearing more and more people say that they were let down by it. By the alien angle? I think just overall that they were expecting there to be more to, I think that, like you said, it's vague, but at the same time, you get this, it's a UFO, and then they're just here to hunt. And I think a lot of people are, at least those who I've talked to, are taking it as that, where it's like, it's come here to hunt, they drive it off, that's it, boom, end of story. It's like, okay, so what What happens? What happens to the alien? And so they're left asking not only that, but like, well, how do they, you know, what, what else do you really have to say? Whereas like you said, with us, there's something more, and especially get out, but um, this is where I do think on the surface level, you do have an A to B storyline. It's captured on film. But I think that's where, in this case, I'm not going to say it's his the best in terms of story structure with writing, but it's just a fact of I appreciate the heck out of Rod Serling, what he did with The Twilight Zone. And I know Peel has talked about this time and time again. We've talked about this on the show, even how much 
he borrows and has admitted how much he loves from Serling and his style of story. This is what I love whenever there's a lot that you can take away from it. And it allows us to think for ourselves in terms of what, like this character, this uh, whole character, it's like, why did he do it? And that's the real horror. And I know Peel had said in another interview talking about, well, when you reveal the monster, people are like, oh, okay, well, that was kind of lame. But if you conceal it, then that's whenever it causes people to think more about it and freak out more. And I think that in this case, these characters, especially the characters, were left doing that with pretty much everyone in this movie. I guess one complaint I could have, and one of my favorite moments in this is there's one point where OJ's in the barn, and we think we're getting our first you know, sneak peek at the aliens and they're they're creeping around and it turns out to be kids pulling a prank. I almost wish this was more of a creature feature where there are multiple aliens running around. It did make me go back and think in terms of, so OJ says it's territorial. It thinks this is its home. That made me think, oh, now that's a very fascinating story. In the moment, I will say in the moment as we're going throughout the movie, I'm like, see, that's where I'm like, oh, that would have been cool to explore. Okay, well, if it thinks that this is its home, where did it come from? Is this literally a take on like immigrants? Is that what he's trying to say? And so I started going down this line of trying to better understand what uh, Peel was saying. But I kept in that case, in the moment, I was like, I, I was kind of wanting more. But then after the fact, it's funny, I, I call my girlfriend, I talked to her about it. She's like, you didn't like the movie. I'm like, no, I'm processing. I'm trying to understand a lot of what I saw because one thing too, and I'm still, this is the one thing, I think everything I've got a good grasp on except for one, and it's the shoe. And is that just a spiritual phenomenon? Was that something that happened? And I know it's part of the misdirect thinking that, okay, Stephen Young's character um, is, is, uh, is Jupe. Is he like an alien? Is he an, an observer? Um, and we're kind of left thinking, well, maybe he's protected during that. Maybe he's what caused the chimpanzee to freak out, whatever it is. But that shoe standing up, I started thinking back, okay, when Peel first started writing this, it was at the beginning of the pandemic, and that's when we had the broom phenomenon, you know, where people were taking photos with the broom standing up and all that crap. I'm like, it could have been that because that plays into the social commentary of we're all trying to record and capture something all the time. Um, or the other thing is, is that a coping mechanism? Is that where he latched onto that, where it's something that he can understand, but he also doesn't understand, you know, it's the, I can process what a shoe is, but now it's standing upright. Why is it standing upright? It's like, I've worked with this chimpanzee. Why is he now attacking? I don't, that's another thing where I, I was like losing my mind over trying to figure this out. And that's the one thing out of this movie. I'm not necessarily having a hard time rather than my mind is just, I've got so many different theories on what it could be. Your head's going to explode. I kind of took it. It, it probably will. In that moment of tragedy, it's like a, a sign. Because he he eventually, he survives the, the chimp attack, Gordy attack, and then grows up. And basically does the same thing where he's, I guess, trying to tame the untamable. 
And I like that it's a contrast to OJ, who works with wild animals, and that's his job. But he has respect mm-hmm. for those animals in a way that Ricky does not. Yeah. I I think, honestly, and I love the OJ Emerald storyline, but the whole Jupe storyline is maybe my favorite. I love the idea that he's been working on this show that involves an alien. <laughs> 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 and just the, the parallels to, you know, him working on the show and then the chimp and then his survival of that. And then he grows up and does the same thing. It was crazy. I loved it. I love that whole setting. I love that whole storyline. I Now, it's fascinating. I've heard a lot of complaints of people saying they did not like the chimp storyline slash jupe storyline. and But it all connects to what OJ does. Yeah. And again, the not respecting an animal, uh, mm-hmm. that thing should be living in the wild, not on a TV show. Yeah, that's definitely where there are the consequences to the action. Uh, any surprise standouts for you? Um, the angel character, Brandon Priya, I, I, I don't know if that's his name. I don't know if I've seen him before, but he 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 was my sneaky MVP. I like Steven Yeun a lot. I like everyone, but the angel character was awesome. I'm the same. I know this is not like a... a um uh, an unknown, but Kiki Palmer, I thought, killed it. She was great. I think that she injected humor into this in a very fascinating way. I feel like it was the most natural of the humor of of any of the Peel movies that we've received so far. But I also think it worked so well because she was the comedic relief. And Kaluuya, as her brother, is the straight man. He's the serious. And I just, it worked so well. And I just it felt so natural. And I I love that brother sister dynamic so much. Are you are you okay with Peel branching out a little bit? Or are you kind of bummed it's it's not more of a horror film? I was okay with him branching out. It it felt it felt good and natural. And then when things started kind of evolving a little bit as the movie went along, I'm like, okay, this is this is not what I, I was expecting. But I was there because I was having fun. And there was a point where, like, yeah, I kind of want a little more out of it. But then after the fact, I thought about it, about what I watched. And I was okay with it. I, I'm actually totally okay. And then as I told my girlfriend after the fact, I called her the next day. I'm like, the movie's genius. Jordan Peele's a genius. I'm not going to say it's a masterpiece. But I do think it's it's a, another solid entry for Jordan Peele. I could see, though, with repeated viewings that this is going to maybe climb in my rankings the problem is i think his first two are so good yeah and I, I tend to prefer the horror elements in both of those movies that i don't know if this would maybe right. jump but i can see myself falling in love with this a little bit more yeah i i agree and this is it is uh, more of a, a sci-fi going down that sci-fi rabbit hole i know that peel came out and said that this is his invitation to those who don't like horror to say hey there's room for you in this genre too anything else you want to talk about with no i will say the biggest one is that like you said and what we just finished is that it is a um it is a branch into sci-fi it's it's going down that route rather than horror and that surprised me because i was expecting this to be like a straight up horror movie um and that i think ultimately was the biggest surprise and the fact that this does seem like twilight zone an extended episode i like i mean i like that i like i like knowing that he's kind of i don't want to say evolving his career but he is he's making something a little different and it makes me wonder what 
what he's got, uh, you know, up his sleeve the next time. Well, we should also say before we before, before we move past note, um, I do have a, a couple random notes, if that's okay. I'll do this real quick. Uh, 246 reviews. It currently sits at 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. Quite a dip from Get Out and us, and also you and I, when we did our Rotten Tomatoes game, we both had it in the 90s. I had 90%, you had 91 So as of right now, I'm going to get this point because I don't think it's going to be climbing to 91%. And this is a point I really, really needed. So uh, I'm glad I got that. Audiences pulled by CinemaScore, which again is only a very small amount of people done, I believe only on opening night, which would have been this past Friday. They gave the movie a B, which I guess sounds about right. Yeah. I think it will have its fans, but I could see a lot of viewers not looking very deep into it. And like you said, maybe being disappointed because it wasn't necessarily what they expected. It opened, I think, with around 40 million, 44 around that, which is uh, number one for Peel. That's three movies in a row, and it's an original concept. So that's great. That's great to hear. I, I wonder how much it's going to drop next week. Uh, we have the DC League of Super Pets coming out, which I don't know. Could that do okay, I guess? No, I don't think Who so. <laughs> I don't no. think so. Uh, so I, I don't know how this is going to do the second week. I could see it dropping in half, maybe a little bit more. Though, I don't know. Peel, Peel is along the Nolan uh, lines, I feel like, where or, or even Spielberg, where in the name is the draw. And I was going to tell you, too, I mentioned a long time ago watching the the final trailer or the second trailer for this that it gave me very blank vibes and it was Spielberg oh. vibes. It looks it looked like a Spielberg uh, alien film from Close Encounters, yeah. like something like that. I got and then I'm reading stuff and saying, "Oh, this is him chan- channeling his own his uh, inner Spielberg," which I agree to a certain yeah. level. I don't know if the movie necessarily feels Spielberg to me, but. It has elements that uh, I can, I can you know connect to, and then we we mentioned Twilight Zone a lot. Uh, the director at the beginning of this movie that on the set that OJ and Emerald are working on that's Oz Perkins who wrote and directed an episode of Peel's Twilight Zone. I thought that was kind of fun seeing him. Uh, so the Gray Man, you mentioned Netflix earlier in the podcast, and I was going to say don't mention Netflix. Because every time I mention Netflix or you mention it, I have to put the chime in to this podcast and it adds up. Sometimes we have to do seven chimes. Anytime anytime it's said, it's like a... It's like uh, royalties are going out. But it's the new Russo Brothers film that also came out this past weekend. It's called The Gray Man. Ryan Gosling, Ana de Armas, Chris Evans. Uh, loves hates for this one because this is on Rotten Tomatoes sitting around the 50% marker which i actually find a little surprising i am too i'm very surprised by this um because i'll say i love this movie but there's not a whole lot i mean it's like a fun action movie you know um there's not much to unpack within the storyline there's not a whole lot that we haven't seen but i think there's a lot of the chemistry between especially i think I really dug the chemistry or the hatred between Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans and Chris Evans being such a little jerk, uh, which is so much fun. He was eating, he was hamming it up and I was there for it. And it was fun to see that. He's hamming it up, but not in like a, I, 
a way that I think of when I say, oh, he's hamming it up. Like he's just <laughs> having a good time. Yeah. Is at, it's at 48% right now, which I don't fully understand. Like you said, there's nothing necessarily original about this movie. We've seen everything that happens in it a million times before. But Gosling rules. He's a great yeah. lead. I could I do do more of these movies with that character. Chris Evans is unbelievable in this. He's so much fun. From the way he dresses to his mustache to what he says, he's still a badass even though he's this troll. I loved it the banter between those two. Uh and that's why you you watch it. I think the action sequences, most of them are pretty good. Yeah. I like the plane scene for the most part, and then it just gets, it starts looking like a, a freaking cut scene from a video game or something. <laughs> yeah. it, looked, it started looking bad, and then the scene just like ends. <laughs> it just like flat out ends. But I think most of the action is fun. Now, I do have a question, though, about Ana de Armas, who I think in, in some regards stole the show in No Time to Die. Yeah. She's so much fun in that. She not only kicks a lot of butt, but she's got like a fun spunk to her. I I don't know if I thought she was good in this. I don't think she is very good in this. See, I, I liked her. Anytime we can get some ADA, some Ada, Ada, I'm there for it. Um, I think Anna is just fantastic. She's one of the weaker links, I think, to this movie. I will say it's funny. I watched this with my um, my family. My sister, I think she was tired. She got up and left like maybe an hour into it. Oh, man. So I'm going to ask her what she thought about it. But my mom was so into it. Uh, she was basically yelling at the screen. She said, kill him six. And she wanted <laughs> she wanted Gosling to take out Evans. It was so much fun to, to see that with my family at home. But um, that was, that's like a good, this movie's a good watch. I know it's like on the PG-13 level, but it's like a fun watch with the family. It is, and I would have loved to have seen it on the big screen. I would happily watch this again at some point. Yeah. There's a almost like a dozen of these books, so I hope we get more. I would argue this is some of the most fun a Netflix film has given us in a long time. If not ever. This might be, I think, their best just like blockbuster. And that's it. This is like a good Netflix blockbuster. And I mean, it, it works so much because of the character the actors and actresses in this um but yeah gosling i honestly i'm not gonna lie i was a little worried not that i don't have faith in gosling but i just didn't know how he'd stack up with chris evans but evans was such a jerk and i loved i loved his quippy one-liners uh now and again and that was a ton of fun to watch this just felt like a modern day 80s action movie so i think it was a good good weekend uh for movies yeah this ended up being like a fun um especially a, a good weekend for very different movies for sure and i enjoyed it um and i would definitely say stream the gray man it's worth the stream yeah i agree shut your brain off and have some fun all right film fans thanks for listening to yet another this was a supercharged super packed episode of quality check podcast so thanks for tuning in and until next time keep watching